when I woke up this morning, I was like so depressed to go to work. And I was literally thinking like, Jason woke me up on, I thought it was an accident. And so I was pouting about it. Cause I was like, you know, when you wake up like 10 minutes before your alarm, and it's like the most annoying thing. Cause yeah. you look at the time and you're like, <sighs> cool. So Jason was like patting my back. And I was like, I looked at the alarm and I literally said in my brain, uh, cool. I have to wake up in 10 minutes. And so I was being a bitch about it because I was like, why did he just pat me back and wake me up? You know, that was rude. And so then I was like, <sighs> so I sat up and was like, well, I guess I'll get ready for work. Cause I'm awake now. And he like got up with me at six ten in the morning on a Saturday. And I was like being a bitch like I am. And I was like, what are you doing? Why are you, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to get up with you because it's just like, it's hard. You have to go to work today. So I'll make coffee. While That's you so get ready. nice. <laughs> and no, and I was being a fucking brat. Like I was like, why did you wake me up 10 minutes before my alarm? And then I'm like, why are you getting up? He's like, because I love you. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. So he got up and made me coffee because I got up because I had to work Saturday shift with 10 minutes. And I mean like 10 minutes max. If I wasn't in my car from the time my alarm went off to 10 minutes, I was going to be late for work for sure. Because I was like, I'm going to wake up as late as humanly possible. I just slept in so late, and then I just had no motivation to be doing anything today. And then you, like, wake up in, like, the worst fucking mood on the face of the planet, and you're like, wow. It's not that I'm in, like, a bad mood. I'm just not in, like, a... I just haven't... All day, I've just been in, like, a weird, funky mood. It's, but... like, not, like, a pep, like, hello, world, I'm ready. Oh, but that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from all the comments. Hello to all my friends! <laughs> my grandma's here, Ariana's here, my dad is here, my mom is here. I don't think my mom was here last time. I love the pet. My whole family's always here. And the best part about it is my whole family is like, on a scale, they're like on the, I'm very interested in true crime end of the scale. As opposed that's to like scale. the people that when you bring it up, they're like, okay, yeah. that's weird. That makes me uncomfortable. And I'm like, Damn, I'm gonna keep talking though. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you more than you care to know about it. Every time. Yeah. It's so crazy when you hear somebody like, like you overhear someone talking about it too. And you're like, oh my fucking God. Yeah, and then I jump in. <laughs> and it's just obnoxious. Yeah. So my whole family's here and I like it because when we talk about our cases, they like comment and tell us theories and stuff. And I feel like it adds to it. So we get I to like it. look at it. It's good. So I have to share my HBO login with you because I've watched two episodes of the Nexium documentary. Uh, yeah, I haven't done that yet. So obviously. the episode on Hulu, what's that called again? It's like, oh, it's called. <laughs> it's like uh, something, extreme beliefs, or yeah, something. like something cults, extreme beliefs, or something. Yeah. And the first episode is Nexium, mm-hmm. and we watched it, and it's all about that girl Sarah. Who leaves the the brown haired, oh, black haired yeah, yeah, girl, yeah. right? Yeah. So what's crazy is I'm watching the HBO documentary and the whole first two episodes, she's like not in it. Well, she is, but you know her friend Mark, mm-hmm. how he like left he, you. Like, didn't he recruit her? Yeah, I think he did kind of recruit her. And they were like BFFs in the cult. And I'm watching the first two episodes, and this is like 
No, I don't think it's a spoiler. It's really not. So the whole first two episodes is, like, not even about... She's, like, trying to keep him in. Oh. And so it's interesting, because I've watched the Hulu episode with you, and we know that she's, like, big outspoken. Yeah. And then this whole first... I think there's only going to be eight episodes total. And so far, two of them, she's, like... I just think it's weird that you want to leave. And I'm like, what? That's so different than the, the view of the other. Yeah. And so I'm really curious because normally Jason isn't into, like, crime and coal and true crime stuff. And literally, I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch this so you can, like, play video games or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I kind of like it. <laughs> and I'm like, what? It's because everyone secretly likes it a little yeah. bit. <laughs> everyone secretly likes it because it's crazy. I did say HBO. Grandma, there's this new documentary it's called The Vow, and it's all about this cult that started, I think, in the 90s, maybe? Sounds right. Wow. 90s sounds cool, but it went until really recently. Like, the cult, I think, is technically still, it still exists, but there's, like, this big, huge trial, and all this bullshit came out in the media about how it's, like sexual and nasty and they are manipulating their um like members torturing torturing people yeah it's really crazy and it's on hbo because hbo comes out with all the cool documentaries and it just started two days ago maybe no two days ago what the two days ago (laughs) started two fucking weeks ago and it's really good so there's two episodes out and the next one comes out tomorrow night it's the third episode. Okay. So I'm going to share my login with you so you can watch them and okay. catch up. Deal. Now we can talk about them. I love that. But, hell yeah. It's really good. Um, so we have our Facebook page. We have a lot of people that have um, liked our Facebook page, which Most makes me happy. all you people who are yeah, joining all, the lives. All our fans. So the Facebook page I'm going to use, obviously, to share our... Like, go live dates and share our new episodes. But I just realized as I'm looking at it that I forgot to share my pictures for my case. But what I want to do is, like, I think a couple episodes ago I needed to share some photos, so I made a Google Doc. But then I realized I could just use our Facebook for that. So before each episode, if I have pictures or crime scene photos or any of that crazy stuff that I want to share, I'll use the Facebook page and then you all can open it and look at them. So... Let me post. I shared a 911 call that Jenna is going to want to talk about in her case. And I shared some photos from my case literally right this second. So you guys can open our Facebook page. It's Between the Crimes. Um, Most of the people that joined, I think, have all um, followed it. So you all should see it. So Jenna, I think Jenna is going to share her case first this time. Yeah. It's going to be good. I don't ever do this, but cool. Why? Well, like, we didn't prepare for our um, podcast very well. Because <laughs> What's new? We're like, no, we, when do we ever? But we're just busy people, so we're going to be winging so much of this, and I think it's going to make it better. Mine's all wings. It's just all wings. It's just well, like spread, just your, spread your wings. <laughs> we're just going to jump right in. Well, and it's not going to be. Tell us, like, what her name is and, like, who it's about and, like, who these people are. Okay, so this is actually fairly recent, and um, I heard this a while ago, but then my friend Ari reminded me of it um, pretty recently, and I thought, well, I like that one, because this is one of the ones that's, like, 
you like you don't know what happened and Kinda there's like so many like possibilities yeah there's so many possibilities like there's not one set like this is probably what happened but it's closed yeah as of now i believe oh like it's a closed case yeah but it's not, not. it's closed. like nobody really thinks that it's closed like that anyways they want to throw up when they do that yeah and, and like they know it's not they know right. it's not it's not right but they have nothing else Ugh, okay so this is tamla horsford and this was in 2018. Oh my god, that's really recent. Yeah, recent. And like, do you even remember hearing about it when this happened? No. Because yeah. you told me the name of it like while we were taking our notes, and I, I don't remember it at all. I and I know because I think that you mentioned that Crime Junkie and other podcasts have done it. Yeah. So I've literally probably listened to it, and I don't remember it even a little. Well, it's pretty good. So, a lot of people want to point out when talking about this case that it takes place in a town in Georgia and it's supposed to be known for a very racist past. Oh. I don't know that this has like any play in what happened that night. Yeah, cuz like, don't people like there, to we don't point know. that out a lot and like, I feel like maybe there is a reason that people will talk about it so much, but the town is known for being pretty racist. Oh. Which yay. That's good. That's um, kind of. Did you watch that um, Netflix series Unsolved? What is it called? Uh-huh. Mysteries or whatever. With the, um, I think you said you watched the first episode, but there's a story just like this in Kansas, and it's Unsolved also. And everybody that listens to you and every witness is like, "This is a racist fucking town," and I don't think it's a coincidence that he was black and we were at an all white party. So it's just yeah, like, which is you can't not consider that in those that types was of places. Quite the segue into what had happened. Really? Yeah. So, Ugh. um, she was forty years old. She was a mother. She had five kids, I think, with her husband, and then they, she also had a stepdaughter that was older mm-hmm. that I don't think lived at home with them. But okay, um, she was like everyone always talked about her as if she was like great mother. Like she yeah. was the nicest person could make friends with anyone. She was just like bubbly. She was fun to be around. She was just like that, that person you want to talk to. Yeah. And she gets invited to a adult, an adult slumber party, which that sounds fun. That does (laughs) sound fun. Sounds fun to me. At first I'm like, oh, that's weird. But then I'm like, wait, that would be really fun to go. But like to be fair, me and my friends do that all all the time. Yeah. So, like, it's not weird. But, like, when you call it an adult slumber party, it just sounds funny. It does sound funny. But it's not. <laughs> I like so it. So, it's um, the lady who owns the house that the party is at. Her name is, she. it's pronounced Jean, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, she is having this party because it's her birthday. Okay. I'm not sure if it was on that day or just, like, a birthday celebration. I don't yeah, think it's like really on the relevant. or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. but... She holds this party, and it's, like, for the football moms. So it's, like, all their kids do football together. Oh, so it's, like, a PTA moms. Kind of. Like they yeah. all are part of the booster club or whatever. Yeah, but none of them are all, like, not all of them in the group are really, like, it's not one big tight group of people. Like, oh. some people are friends with these this girl, and some people oh. are friends with this girl. So it's, like, kind of a big party? There was, like, seven women, I believe, that went. Okay. So it's not, like, huge. But right. Supposedly, Tamla didn't really know... Many of them. She mostly knew Jean that was having the party, mm-hmm. but had, like, obviously seen the other ones around, but wasn't close, close. Interesting. But she decided to go anyways, and, like, she knew she would have fun, because she was, like, 
always has fun no matter what she does. Well, and that's, I feel like, I don't know because I don't have kids, but I know like my mom and other people's moms, when you've got kids in grade school like that, you like feel a little bit obligated to like yeah. participate. And if you have like mom friends, you feel like you have to go and you want to like, you want to get out there and you want to yeah, make, make friends and you want to participate. Also, probably just wants to get out of the house because she has five kids. Seriously. Because <laughs> I would. Oh my God, five kids. <laughs> yeah, gross. Yeah, um, I can't imagine. So she goes to this party, and it's supposed to start at, like, 6.30 or 7, mm-hmm. uh, but she doesn't end up getting there until closer to 8, and and that's, like, not really a big deal. Yeah. But, like, she shows up, and, okay, you can't tell me this isn't, like, really cute, though. Like, she wears, like, cute little pajamas to go. Like, to and the I don't know, Yeah, and I don't know if everyone did that, but she definitely did. And she wore, they were, like, these cute little, like, matching, like, top and bottom pajamas that were white. And they have little, like, dog paw prints all over them. Like, That's little, like, dog so pajamas. Cute. Yeah, like, so cute. Like, she that was would just, be like, you, like, but with cat pajamas. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> and, um. Ooh, we gotta turn that ooh. So, she goes, and, um, everyone says it was, like, a, a fun night. Like, everyone was drinking heavily actually like they were getting lit like they were at this fun mom night. party yeah like That's good. they were having fun like they were drinking they were playing games um supposedly tam she went to the liquor store on the way there to get a bottle of her favorite tequila that she was actually going to give john as a as birthday a present Aww. yeah but then i guess she gets there and she ends up not really being a huge tequila fan which Aww. Fair. That's fair. Like, if somebody gave me tequila as a gift, I would... Segue. Thank um, you. Take it back. I remember when <laughs> me and Jenna... This is probably, like... I don't even know how you describe it. Like, at the very... Be- not the very beginning, but towards the beginning of our friendship. And I was at her house, and we were young and dumb. And we were talking about how we wanted to get drunk and take shots. And I remember saying that I had tequila with me, and she went I on to this. She went on to the spiel about how she fucking hates tequila. <laughs> she cannot drink it, absolutely not. And I thought that she was just being a brat. Like I thought that she just preferred other drinks, and but she was saying it like she hated it. And so oh, I, was like, I do. So then I like I challenged her. I was like, whatever, fucking drink it. Like peer pressure, <laughs> drink it, drink Straight it. Straight up pressured. And so I made her like take a shot of this tequila. And to this day, I feel so guilty because she literally took the tiniest sip, turned around, and basically threw up into her kitchen sink. It was awful. And I was you like, were sharing this great, yeah, lovely story. It's really it's good. Very much. Does my it make you feel good? Point. Yeah. Yeah, I feel guilty. Really, I was like, "Wait, I thought you were doing." <laughs> no, if I said it, I meant it. So, moral of the story is a lot I of people also would give back tequila. Yeah, a lot of people don't like tequila, but she loved it. Good. This is like her drink. She didn't like really like drink like small, like light mixed drinks or like cocktails. She just wanted her tequila. Yeah. So. They basically were like, you can just use this for your drink for the night. And she's like, okay, cool. And so she ends up drinking a lot of it. Like, okay. um, Maybe arguably too much. Yeah, but the thing is, everyone always said that she handled her liquor really well. Mm-hmm. And that everyone at the party when being interviewed said that she didn't really seem drunk. She didn't seem like she was incoherent or that she was sloppy or anything like that. Um, she really just seemed like she was 
fine. Like she's holding it in all well. Like mm-hmm. she wasn't acting out. Um, and uh, I guess it's kind of important to note. So it's like a typically like a, like a women's sleepover, but the boyfriend of the homeowner, his name is Jose. Mm-hmm. He's there. And then I, it said that there was three men total, but I've only ever really been able to find names of two. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who this third guy was or like if he stayed, if he was just there for a minute. Mm-hmm. But the other one that we know for sure of was one of the girls that was at the party, her husband. Yeah. He just came and I'm not sure why, but he did. Maybe one of those like clingy. Like, yeah. And it's like, I'll just go. Yeah. Just You're pop like, in. Sure. Yeah. And I guess they, he and Jose, so I think the guy's name was Todd. Todd and Jose, they end up kind of just being like, we're going to go watch football downstairs. We'll just go be do that guys. and, like, be downstairs and not bug you. Mm-hmm. And you guys can have your little So it's kind of like, so what in total? We've got about think, seven girls. Yeah, and, like, two or three men or something. Two or three men. I think it says, like, most places say three, but I've only been able to identify two. And so either, either way, way, it sounds like the men go downstairs. Yeah. But to leave them alone. Per then se. when halftime comes on on their football game, they come upstairs mm-hmm. and it starts like they all just start hanging out yeah and um they start eating food and they start playing cards against humanity mm-hmm. which like that sounds like a typical like hang yeah, out like with the me most and my friends like this classic. is what we like, always do yeah um so they start playing cards against humanity and then i guess around like midnight or like once it starts getting a bit later everyone just kind of like winds down and starts to want to kind of go to bed yeah and i know two people left around like 11 30 mm-hmm. and then some people stay and decide to like sleep over and some people leave some people leave early within the like early morning hours yeah, so it's hard to keep track which of is everyone. really hard but it's helpful because she has a security system at her house oh. that sends notifications to her phone every time a door is opened and we have that mm. so what we know as far as like a timestamp kind of goes from like screenshots from her phone. Mm-hmm. Um, her app told her that the door, front door is open at 11.30, which makes sense because that's when two of the ladies went home. Mm-hmm. They had like some excuse, like one of them had like, didn't have a babysitter all night. And one yeah. like had something about puppies. Some yeah. had to muster puppies or something. Uh-huh. Um, and then after that, like most, I think everyone else that was there was kind of like there for the night. Yeah. And, um, she, like, was a big smoker. I don't know if she's a big smoker, but I know a lot of people, when they drink, they smoke more than they normally would. And our maker, so, right? Like, Tamla was a huge smoker. Yeah, she was a smoker. Okay. And everyone says she went out to the back patio, which is, like, on the second floor. Okay. Um, out to the back door on the patio to smoke. Uh-huh. And this was, um... 149. So it's kind of like a balcony type yeah, thing? Yeah, like a balcony. Okay. So we have a timestamp, 149 in the morning. So this would have been November 4th. Mm-hmm. Um, the back door opens. Then 150, it closes, which you could think, like, she went in, like, went out, closed the door behind her. You know? Yeah. And then 157, the back door opens again. Mm-hmm. But then it doesn't close. Oh. It stays open. Um, but then we have timestamps at 410 in the morning when one of the girls wakes up and goes to work at the front door. Mm-hmm. She doesn't see anything. She just doesn't gets make up and, any yeah, comment. She goes home, gets ready, goes work. Um, Props to that girl. Yeah, like what the hell? I remember I used to do that when I was like younger. She got up at four. Yeah, 
after like heavily drinking with at a party like like this is i most, could never this, this is the most irrelevant part of the story <laughs> yeah. but i cannot to go to fathom work. having a get together a girl's night sleepover with lots of tequila <laughs> and waking up at four in the morning i literally went to- it was her second day of her new job too because oh, she wanted my. to be like on time so she went left her there at four ten so that she can go home and get ready and like I'm sorry, but you're not going to be on your best, like, performance if you just <laughs> you're stayed up until... Over. Yeah. Oh, my Irre- God. Like, irrelevant, but... I could never be the... Oh, thank you. Ariana said I could never be that responsible. <laughs> I am not that responsible. No. <laughs> That's hilarious. I would be late. I'd be like... Well, it's good that sorry. this lady had this, like, alarm system that tracked kind of yeah. each door opening and closing. And, and it says, and like, on the screenshot, like, back door open, back mm-hmm. door closed. Front door open. Yep. Um, and then, so you see at 7.45, one of them leaves in the morning. 8.30, the couple, I think it was Stacy and Todd, they were staying in one of the empty kids' rooms. Yeah. They leave. Um, and then 8.59 is when the 911 gets called. Because... So it's 8.59 in the morning the next day? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, what... How the body... How the body was found is kind of like reported in two different ways that I found. Okay. Which is kind of like interesting to me that we have two different stories. Should, should we let people listen to the 911 call? Because we're going to pu- publish this and I can cut out audio. This is just live and we can do whatever we want. Okay. We My can. grandma said yes. But let me say real quick first, like, how it was found, and then we'll do the... Okay, nobody leave yet. Nobody leave. <laughs> I mean, please don't leave anyways. But... Yeah, please don't ever leave us, ever. <laughs> but, so, um, the aunt of the girl that owns a home, um, she lived in the basement. And she claims to not have heard anything after she went to bed, like, kind of in the middle of everyone else. Like, she also just made her way downstairs, goes mm-hmm. to bed, and claims she heard nothing since then to when she saw body because so she found the body yeah. supposedly uh-huh and she said she didn't hear anything because she had headphones on and oh. she was playing like rain rainstorm sounds uh-huh so she's not a good credible maybe yeah, witness no. for who saw and heard yeah so she was wearing those all night and it gets kind of conflicting because i think most reports say that she went out onto the like balcony area to just kind of see the temperature of the morning mm-hmm which I feel like, I don't, I don't do that, but I don't know, is that normal to, like, well, first thing in the morning to go outside and, like... I don't know, because, hear me feel out. Feel the temperature? I'm a spoiled, rotten brat. True. And for a going-away present, my grandmother bought me an Alexa. Don't listen to me. She's, she's listening right now. <laughs> and every morning, even if it's, like, a weekday, if me and Jason are up on the same day, I say... What's the temperature outside? Because I want to know what to wear. And so, let's say you didn't have something like that, and you were exactly the same as me. I just you might want to know. See, but I'm (laughs) I'm lucky because even if I don't ask her, I let my dogs out every morning. Oh, true. But if I didn't, I could see myself literally. I'm not joking. Opening the back door and being like waving (laughs) Waving my arms arms out to see what the temperature is because I really am like if it's already 75 degrees. It was November. No, I know. But in my example, <laughs> okay. like if it's okay. already so hot or so cold, in the morning, that's going to kind of change. See? Ariana said what is the same person. <laughs> See, it's going to depend. Like, I'm going to change what I might wear that day. 
Okay, so I could I could see it. So most stories say that that's what happened and that she saw over the balcony on the grass in the backyard a body Tamla laying mm-hmm. on the ground. Um, but I've also seen in other places where it says since her room was in the basement, her mm-hmm. window was more ground level, mm-hmm. and that she got up in the morning, looked out the window, and, and saw, saw the body on the ground through the window, knelt down and prayed, and then what? went and got Jose. She prayed? Yeah, which I feel like, I don't know if that's true or if that's just, like, some story that was spread around. First of all, I mean? first of all, I'm sorry. <laughs> if anybody in this audience finds my dead body... <laughs> and decides to fucking pray over it before calling the cops, then fuck you. Seriously, <laughs> yeah, seriously like, though. Don't get near me. Do not disrupt my DNA. My space. Don't disrupt <laughs> my crime scene. Yeah. Call 911. And why we gotta pray about it? Also, like, please just send help. <laughs> Prayers are not fixing this. <laughs> yeah. So I don't even know if that happened, but if it did. But there I are, like, like it. reports of it. There's. Happened. people saying that that's what had happened so i don't hmm. i don't know so either she went outside to check the air or she looked out her window and then instantly prayed both seem like interesting to me i don't know why yeah that is interesting um and then most people say that she went and told jose first which i find weird because why would she, i heard she like went into the room and was like asking for jose saying she needed to talk to jose to tell him something? And she's not the significant other, right? Well, no, this is the significant other's aunt. That's weird. So it's like, why wouldn't you tell the person whose friend it is that, that it's dead? You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't really I don't weird. actually know what happened. You know, yeah, what, none of us really will. But that's what happened. And then they had Jean call the cops at 859. Okay. And then if you want to play that. Let's play it. Um, I'm not going to play it. He- well, actually... I am going to play it here, but I'm going to play it muted just so I can kind of track the time frame. You know what I mean? Because if I play it out loud, they're going to hear it on our microphone, and we don't want them to hear it. We don't want them to hear it. Why not? Because it'll sound really bad. Okay. So they're going to listen to it on their own. I'm going to post the link. It's also on the Facebook page. And then I'm going to mute my stuff, and I'm going to start our recording from the beginning in maybe 30 oh, seconds okay. so that we can let them listen. I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Do you saying. get you yeah. feel? So they're going to listen where? Mm-hmm. Um, is there a link or is it yep, Facebook? I posted it on Facebook, Facebook. and oh, I there. shared the link in our um, in our chat. You can tell which one of us does all the tech stuff for this. It's oh, yeah. See, my mom liked it. She's, it's not me. She's a champion. Yeah. Okay, what's going on? Um... We had people over last night when we were drinking. Most of us went to bed. One of them stayed on the balcony. She was drinking, and we just went out outside, and she's laying face down in the backyard. I would. I think the last time that I personally saw Tam was probably about one in the morning before I'd gone upstairs to bed. Okay. Maybe 20 feet. Okay. You know, 20 feet from where your feet would be on the railing. The railing itself is maybe three and a half, four feet. Okay, I'm so sorry about that. So you think she's possibly out um, smoking? Yeah, she was, she was the only smoker. I mean, I'm, I'm on the back deck right now, and, you know, cigarettes lighter. I've had to finger out here. Um, 
All right, everybody. Y'all ready to talk about it or are you still listening? We saw we saw a lot of comments that are so relevant to what we're gonna talk about. I just want you to know as I was reading what you guys were saying, I was like, yes, clapping. Like I know, I understand this, like this is a problem. Yeah. So first off, like first of all, why aren't they freaking out? Yeah, they sound so fucking calm. Yeah, and so supposedly, like it starts with Jean answering the phone, like calling, uh-huh. talking about it, and then she like passes. She passes the it phone on off, and then he like, "Hey, hey, it's Jose." Like, and then the whole time, I'm sorry, he's but, like, "I mean, I don't really know her." He sighs. I don't really. I I, mean, I don't I mean, really know her. Okay, sorry. She's a dead person in your lawn. You know her now. In your like, lawn. <laughs> yeah, and. Um, let me see what some of the comments were. So, we'll talk about that. Oh, we talked about the height of the deck. Okay, so, the height of the deck. I don't know if, in that clip, you guys got that for that far, or... No, I'm sure you did, because it was talking about it. So, um, they're saying, like, how high did she fall? And he has this weird answer to me. It strikes me in an icky way. He says... 20 feet if, like, her feet were on the railing. Yeah, I, I remember like, listening to it, and he says, um, it's about 20 feet from your feet being on the rail. Like, why would your feet be on the railing, and why would that be your first thought? And he says it in such a way, like, you would think you would say, oh, it's about 20 feet high. It, I would honestly, since I suck so bad at guessing, like, feet and distances and Mm-hmm. numbers of things i'd be like i don't know it's the second story yeah like that's what i would like yeah, i'd be like i don't know like it's like the second story like i don't know like taller I, than me i could even see somebody guessing because um when you're thinking and i know because of like our job when you're thinking about the normal stories of a house a normal room is like eight feet tall right and then you have to consider the flooring space mm-hmm. and so you can say one story is typically 10 feet mm-hmm. so i could see him like even just saying like outright 20. 20 feet. Maybe 20 feet. But the way he words it of like, well, if your feet were on the rail, the rail's about 20 feet. <laughs> Cole says, no way, Jose. <laughs> no way, Jose. Right. Like, why would you automatically have to put that in there, that her feet were on the railing? It just sounds like, weird. And then, um, I just thought it was weird how many times they were like, she's stiff. So they know that she's like stiff. I'm assuming they tried to touch her. Which is weird. Because you can't just tell someone's stiff by looking at them, right? Well, and what's weird is... I mean, I don't know. I've never really I, seen dead people, but... I read something recently that I, I didn't understand, but you know how, like, they talk about in true crime how bodies have, like, rigor mortis? Mm-hmm. And rigor mortis sets in in a certain amount of time. Um, but what's interesting is you have, like, two sets of rigor mortis, uh-huh. where, um, for example, when you touch the body, it's stiff, mm-hmm. but then... There's a brief period of time of some hours where you can move a body and the body isn't as stiff anymore. And then it goes oh. back to being stiff. And so it's really weird sometimes when people make comments like that because there's so much science to it. And it's like if, you, if you're if you an expert, you can kind of delve into like what stage are we at. It's it's basically the process of like death and like yeah. your, your body mm-hmm. starting to decompose like yeah. immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good point. It's too, he said the railing is too high to just fall over. Yeah, because I made the comment before we started where I was like, I could see somebody being too drunk, and if it was hip, 
hip height, mm-hmm. maybe leaning too far over. Well, but if this is up high, but then we're gonna have to add in some other stuff. Okay, well, let's quick. talk about so, it. So, um, it ends up being that she also went outside to smoke marijuana. Oh. And nobody else at the party was really down for all that. Like uh-huh. nobody else does that, or mm-hmm. but she did, and like I, I so maybe still, somebody went out with her. I still don't imagine even if she was super drunk and super high, how would you fall off the railing when it was? They ended up actually measuring it. It was like three and a half feet tall. Because in the call, he's like, I don't know, two and a half, four feet or something like that, mm. and it's three and a half feet, and like you have to like. The way I was thinking about it is, like, you would have to lean far over to get to the point where you feel unstable. Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know how tall that is. But, like, like, I'm standing up. Sorry. <laughs> so, so it's, like, like three and a half feet, you'd have to, like, go yeah, kind over. Yeah, like, like a standard. Like, bend in half, almost. And hear me out. If I'm, you were going alone. I'm completely making this up. Like, legitimately. Me but if, everything. But if you have a balcony... On the second floor in the United States of this is in the U.S. right? Yeah. In the United States of America, there's no contractor or construction company on the face of this earth that's going to build a balcony for a like a housing structure, like a suburb, yeah. without it being at a safe like height. Like a code or. And so you have to have kids of you know you gotta and they had kids kids living there so you're not gonna have a balcony that's too short that you're gonna just topple over yeah because this is there's laws and there's construction codes in place that can't no that's bullshit and we haven't even gotten to like some of the other like just stuff that doesn't make sense so she also when they did the like drug and toxicology reports and stuff after Mm -hmm. her alcohol level was very high Mm-hmm. It was three times the legal limit, so she was drinking. Like, okay, welcome to a Saturday night. <laughs> right. Like, but, but anyways, so it was really high. They did find THC in her system, but they also found Xanax in her system. Oh, shit. And she does not, she's not prescribed Xanax, and she didn't have any evidence of having it on her. And nobody in her house says that she even, like, takes Xanax. Okay, that's crazy. And... I think at so, one point someone had mentioned that Jean does take Xanax. Mm, so some theories out there are saying that people, somebody put Xanax in the tequila bottle that she was drinking and drinking alone. Interesting. And, Maybe they drugged her. But they refused to test the tequila bottle for like drugs. They didn't test it at all. They didn't test it at all? No. And... Um, one thing that I think is important, even in the 911 call, they said she's the only smoker here. And he does say he that. He says that twice within the 911 call. But also, if you go back and you listen to every interview from every single person that was at that party at some point that night, mm-hmm. I think almost every single one of them makes the point that she was the only smoker there. But they like, said it in the same phrase. Not like, oh, like none of us smoke, so she was just out there by herself. Every single one of them said it. She was the only smoker here. And that's just That's like you're sharing the same story. Exactly. Like you're regurgitating the same information. Um, and then we haven't even talked about how her body was positioned. Okay. Let's so her body um, was face first on the ground. Like her head wasn't turned to the side on either way. It was mm-hmm. like forehead to the dirt. And it was 
like right underneath the balcony. Um, and then they found her feet were over like a piece of landscaping. So like it would have hit her shins. Oh. So like she had injuries there. Yeah. But she had injuries that kind of went along with the theory of it being a fall. Uh-huh. Like she had a neck injury, head injuries, like lacerations on her arms and legs. Yeah. But she didn't have like like facial injuries. Which doesn't make sense mm-hmm. when, if she fell face first on the ground, you'd think she would, like, broke her nose. So it almost kind you of think her like nose would hit first, right? Maybe she fell to the side or to the back and somebody flipped her over. So when Jean says she found the body, she said she thought it looked suspicious because her both of her legs were down and both of her arms were down to her side. Mm-hmm. And, um, somebody must have moved the body because when they came to, like, assess, one of her arms was above her head. Oh. And it was the arm that had a wrist injury, so it could have been caused by a sign of a struggle, but they put it above her head to make it look like she was, like, trying to break her fall. Interesting. So, like, it feels like somebody could have manipulated the body. Yeah, absolutely. Because Jean and the aunt both said that her body just looked, like, like odd. Like, Unnatural. she didn't just fall like that. And then it was different later. That's so fucking yeah. weird. And it's it's not normal yeah. at all. But also, the family ended up having, like, their own private autopsy done. Yeah, like, suspiciously. They found... That they there are evidence of injuries to her body that happened before after death. Oh, after after death? death. What the hell? And so, and sorry, I'm just kind of jumping all over the place, but I just have to say all these things that come to my brain yeah. about it. But they they also have like if you go back to the security cameras, mm-hmm. he points out in the nine one one call when she asks like, did she come to the party with anyone? He immediately jumps to a not what she was asking. He goes. Well, some nobody was really out here. She was the last person out here, and we have cameras. You can see them. We have cameras. Yeah, so it's kind of like, why are you deflecting the question? Why wouldn't you just say, no, I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then, interestingly enough, when they go to get the cameras, that day is deleted. Of course it is. The and day? That, like, that day. Okay, what the fuck? And then... um. You, you can find this email, like a screenshot of an email that she has sent out mm-hmm. to the police, um, she being John. Yeah. She sent out, like, a link. Like, here's, like, what I have for my, like, security footage. The uh, This it must have been deleted. I can't find it. It must have been deleted. Not like, I don't know where it is. Not sure. I don't know what She happened. says, I must have deleted it. What the hell? I, I just, I'm like, all these things don't add up. And so, to this day... It's closed as an accident. They rule it an accident, and there's just no... There's no nothing to say. But, like, going back to the timeline, I think it's interesting because her, like, state, like, her certificate of death says mm-hmm. that she died at 1.30 a.m. about. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the timestamps, the back door opened at 1.49 and then closed at 1.50 and then opened again at 1.57 and stayed open. Yeah. So she that's when they're claiming she went out for that smoke break was between one forty nine and one like and one fifty, one fifty seven that time. And they're saying she died at one thirty. And they're saying that her body probably was it was dead at one thirty. So it's 
So somebody else was in and out. That's so frustrating. And they also found a like timestamp for a garage door opening around that time. Oh my And gosh. they're all claiming that she was the only one awake. She was the only one there. And they all keep making these comments. Oh my goodness. And like there's just so much I could go on for literally like the entire podcast about just the stuff that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And the way that they handled it. Ooh, we have a comment from my grandma. She must have Googled it. It says they're reopening the case as of July 3rd. Ooh. So we're going to have to look and see if there's updates to this. So that's what we're going to use our Facebook for. It's kind of like updates to open cases that we've done podcasts on or that we intend to do podcasts yeah. on. Because that's fucking insane. And it's just like the whole way that like people question the way it was handled because they never sent paramedics, EMS, firefighters. They only sent... The police because they, they just body. assumed that she was dead and instead of trying to like figure out if they could save her or well and cold cases are so frustrating because yeah. it's so open-ended and in terms of like a true crime podcast they're so interesting because like my case it's not a cold case we know exactly who did it mm-hmm. but sometimes it's like cold cases they're so much more frustrating because if you know who did it, you have answers mm-hmm. and you have like resolution. A person to be angry at. Yeah, you have somebody to like blame. put all of your blame and your frustration on and be like, fuck that person. That's fucked up. But in this scenario, you don't really have anything. So we've got like a ton of comments on here. Ariana oh, said. No, I, I did. I just haven't said that part yet. So she talked about how that the homeowner's boyfriend was fired for tampering with the court court files on the case so he was he was an employee he used to be like in like law enforcement but he now like works for the like county interesting and for like and he got fired yeah he accessed the, the case like technically what he did wasn't illegal uh-huh because he had access suspicious. to it but it's weird like why are you accessing a file that you supposedly have no like if you know you're innocent you would know everything in the file because you know what had happened was an accident yeah but he's, like, pulling it up and, like, trying to look into it. And then um, I just think the whole thing just doesn't sit right with me. Like, right. nothing makes sense. And like, what about her fucking kids and her baby daddy? No, nobody has answers. No. Nobody knows what happened to her. No. And all we have is just it was an accident, and that's not... And it was not an accident. And even if it was some kind of accident, I feel like somebody knows more. Like, somebody saw something somebody read something or the people who were at the party told somebody they heard something they saw something yep and And here we are well and the way that the police handled it is like questioned a lot because um supposedly they didn't like they told everyone that was there like go sit in like the living room like you have to sit here for a minute we have to question everyone but they let everyone like mingle in the meantime and like talk about stories and they were texting each other in the room oh my god about like what their story was and what's my story so, and like it came out in interviews later that like they had been sharing stories that they shouldn't have been so and when, trying to like get their stories lined up when i lived in arkansas i worked at a bank and you know when you work at a bank like there's something in the back of your mind that's like what if we get robbed like yeah, that's right. what a normal person thought and our branch had been robbed before um in the past i think it was like the year previous and so when i got hired on it was just a small, this is fucking Little Rock, Arkansas. Like, this is not, this is some rinky-dink fucking branch, right? Right. And when we got hired on, it was incredibly important that we talked about what happens if we get robbed or cased or mm-hmm. something like that happens. 
And we had this like document that said like, stay calm, don't whatever, you know, there was all these different steps to follow. And then it was like, next page was like, what happens after? And it was like, everybody go in separate rooms. Nobody talk to each other. Nobody say any, like, it was so incredibly important. Because you have to do like, no matter what happens, if we get robbed, nobody is allowed to talk to each other. Until it's like, it's like literally until the cops come and they ask you what happened individually. Because what happens is if somebody comes in and robs the bank and somebody overhears somebody saying, oh, he was like six foot tall. Even then somebody else is going to yeah. imagine it like that. And so it's like, if you have all these people mingling in a case like this and everybody has this different idea, like, oh, did you hear anything? What happened? Why are they here? What's yeah. going on? Maybe half of the people don't even know what's going on or why the cops are there. Maybe nobody's seen the body. Nobody knows. And they're going to be like, well, yeah. I heard that she was already stiff. Right. And it's all just and then it's And then it becomes fact in their brain. Yeah. Because why would their friend tell them that this is what happened when it wasn't? And, like, mm. all of them were just, like, mingling within each other and, like, texting stories back and forth. And so, like, Mm-mm-mm. and it even, like, there was a point where I think um, the aunt was being questioned, interviewed by the police department. Yeah. And John just came in and was, like, started offering the policeman Dunkin' Donut coupons. In the middle. In the middle of it. And it was so, unpro- like, unprofessional. And also, they can't do that. That's, like, bribery. <laughs> like, it's, like, yeah. so small. It seems insignificant. But like but it's still you like can't weird. as a police officer, you're not gonna take gifts from the people in within a, like a suspicious death. Yeah, like, that's not right. Well, what's crazy about it is it's like this crazy unopened, nobody knows the answer case. But I'm really glad that my grandma mentioned that it's still open because now when I see, because I have a setting in my Google where when important news cases break, like the Robert Wong case and other like cold cases. Yeah. I have a setting that if anybody mentions in a news article Robert Wong's name in one, mm-hmm. I get an email. Oh. And so if we want, we can set something like this so that, you know, yeah, our email gets an update when we see. We should do that. So we're going to have to do like a crazy flip-flop because this is like the craziest fucking case ever. Sorry, I didn't mean to get so into no, it. No, it's like, so I keep thinking of crazy. things that I have to say that just don't make sense. It's insane. And my case, like... Mine is, like, a really well-known case, and maybe everybody listening doesn't know. I but we'll, like, rush through the timeline. And I think what's more interesting is kind of the aftermath of it. So, it's just super crazy. That case, cold cases. We have, like, quite a few cold cases that, like, I want answers to. Yeah. Like, I've got, like I mentioned, I have Robert Wong, like, a filter in mm-hmm. the news that... Um, Google News has a really cool thing where if you want to know about a case, you can set filters where it's like, if an article is released with these words, you get a notification. So you can set like, um, the Delphi murders, Robert Wohn, this case, and it'll only email you if an article is released with that, um, name. So my case, I did a poll about our event for tonight on like what type of cases people want to hear and like the number one post or answer so far has been serial killer i love serial killer stories that is so good it's just it's, it's so crazy. i just like, like i just love it there's one thing about like a one-off murder but there's something about people that get away with multiple murders for so long yeah and just trying to understand like the person's reasoning and their and mind how, and their brain and that's this case you're gonna 
I really feel like even to this day, and this is like somewhat recent, this is like 80s, 90s, and early 2000s that this all went down. And even to this day, with it being so recent, we don't really, I personally don't understand why they did it. I really don't. So that almost makes it Wait, easy. is it like a couple? Yeah. I did a couple serial killer last yeah. week. And that's what's crazy. I love that. I was listening to a podcast about my case, which is Carla Homoka and Paul Bernardo. They're known as the Ken and Barbie killers. <laughs> they wow. were active in the 80s and 90s. I think they're... Their murders were in the very early 90s, but they have tons of documentaries, tons of podcasts, and so... I know nothing about this one, so enlighten me. I knew, like, really vague things, and I, like, heard about them in, like, brief, like, 30-minute podcasts, but I was listening to podcasts to kind of get more details about this case, and I'm like, it's fucking insane. I'm just... Is it, like... They killed them together. Mm-hmm. Or, okay, just, just start. Sorry, okay, I, just, okay. I just want to make up my own story here. Just okay, go. so I'm gonna start reading. I like I took a bunch of articles that I found and I kind of tried to mesh them into a way that makes the most sense for a podcast. So I'm just gonna kind of read my intro. So Paul Bernardo and Carla Homoka are well known by some people in the true crime community as the Ken and Barbie killers. They were a young, good-looking couple who, by most people's accounts at the time, seemed very normal. However, looking a bit further into their childhood shows a very different picture. And what's interesting is if you Google them, you'll kind of, like, you'll get back and forth. Some people will say that their lives were kind of normal. And then if you really dig into it, their lives were not normal. Like, Paul's definitely was not. So I feel like that's, like, number one rule for serial killers. Like, not normal. Terrible childhood. There you go. Well, and, like, Carla's, in my opinion, it wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't that. She's just being dramatic. I, I really I really think she's just kind of being dramatic. But it was still fucked up. Okay, so Paul was known as a happy young kid, and people often envied his mother for having such a well-behaved young boy. Life changed as he got older and, get this, began noticing that his father, or who he viewed as his father, was uh-huh. a... He was sexually abusing his sister and was gaining the reputation in the neighborhood as a peeping Tom. And, like, back in the 70s and 80s, peeping Toms, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, if you Google stuff about this, this was, like, norm. I had a peeping Tom once. This was... Never tell you that. It was scary. You had a peeping Tom? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, my house. I was a kid. It was terrifying. What the fuck? Yeah, I was sleeping and I was, like... Well, obviously, I wasn't sleeping because I woke up. Yeah. I, like, felt like I was being watched. I was, like, I don't know, six. And I looked up at my window, and there's these three dudes staring at me. Three? Three big dudes just staring at me. Also, I had, like, a six-year-old brain, so, like, in my brain, I'm like, they're these scary old guys. But, like, they probably were normal-sized, but. Yeah, but they were scary. And they were staring at me, and then my mom, I, like, ran into the living room. I was like, Mom, there's people in my window. (laughs) And then she ran after them and called the cops. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, like, in the... Yeah, we were talking Thank about... Thank you. We're in the middle of a podcast, and Jenna's like, I had three peeping toms. No, so she said something about peeping toms being normal, and I'm like, normalize peeping toms. No, no Jenna, Jenna. In the 70s and 80s, like, before sexual assault and rape and stuff was so casually talked about, peeping toms were seen as, like, um, like a laughing, like, haha, not a big deal. Ew. Yeah, they really were. Ew. In the 60s, 70s, 80s, like, sexual assault and stuff was not taken seriously. 
and Peeping Toms were not considered sexual abusers. They weren't seen as like a stepping stone in the pathway to being a sexual, like a pedophile. It was seen as like, haha, not a big deal. It's creepy, but whatever. Yeah, it's weird. So Paul Bernardo's dad was kind of considered a Peeping Tom. And what's worse, and I like listened to tons of podcasts, he was peeping on his biological daughter. So Paul's sister. And it was kind of to the point where Paul's sister, I don't remember her name, and frankly, I don't want to give it. She didn't really understand what was happening, but her dad was, like, stalking her and peeping on her. She would change with the blinds closed because she felt like he might be watching her. I would. So Paul grew up with this, and, like, most people say that if it was messed up, it didn't really seem to, like, affect him mentally. He, like came off as, like, a normal kid. If there was abuse going on, he still seemed normal, and he acted like a normal teenage boy. It wasn't until he was 16 years old that his mom sat him down and told him, your dad, that guy that does that stuff, he's not your dad. Oh. Your biological father is a different man, and I never told you. I feel like that might be kind of relieving, though. You would think, but I think for him it was kind of traumatizing in a way. Because well, I feel he, like it would also suck, but it would also be like, oh, okay. Yeah. It, Give you a chance at having a normal dad, maybe? You would think. Oh, okay. But Paul took it terribly. Oh. Like, terribly. And I think Paul was maybe in denial or maybe even didn't know about the stuff that was going mm. on. And so he took it terribly, and it, like, altered his entire life. He was pissed at his mom. He would call her a whore. Rude. For having, like, a different, like, father. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it, his life kind of went downhill from the time he was 16 and he kind of started lashing out. So then, you know, our stories about Paul and Carla. So most people think Carla had a normal life, but her father got drunk very often and would get into huge blow up arguments with their mother. The young sisters were Carla, Tammy, and Lori, and they would comfort each other when these fights were happening. Carla's father began having an affair, and I, I swear to God, I can't make this shit up. Like, this is going to sound like a joke, and I'm not joking. Her father started having an affair, and I don't know how it came out, but it came out to the family. And it was decided that the solution to the affair was for him to have a threesome with his wife and the mistress. Why? Don't know. What's that going to solve? I don't know. Like maybe okay. it would just bridge. That's not something you really... I, I'm not going to go into that. And it's crazy because opinion. if you read the articles, there's not much else. There's just not much else on that. People just talk about it because you're looking for people who did fucked up things and you're looking for the answers to why they did it. Yeah. And so people... That, that might be a reason. I, I mean, I, and who even knows if she knew? I don't know. Yeah. I should know because I, like, read the articles. This is your, this but is your job. I don't, and I feel like... I feel like if that really happened in real life, in your parents' life, most kids wouldn't even know what happened. Right. Like, how would you know? You're not going to tell your kids. <laughs> so, I cheated on mom. Yeah. So, what we're going to do is... <laughs> yeah, like, you're going to all have a family meeting. Family meeting. There's going to be a lady here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Call her Aunt Becky. So, all this being said, it can often look like people have normal upbringings, but nobody really knows what's going on in our friends' and family's lives. We just don't know what's going on. So let's look at the very strange timeline leading up to Carla and Paul's relationship. Okay. 
So in May 1987, the town is called Scarborough, and it's kind of right outside Toronto, Canada. So it's kind of like if you've got a big city like Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. um, West Valley City is kind of like right. a Scarborough. Like okay. it's not quite, you wouldn't call it Salt Lake, but it's an outsider right. would be like, that's Salt Lake City. Yeah. So that's kind of how Scarborough is. They are having a problem with rape. Like a serial rapist is running rampant in the town, and it all starts in May 1987. There is a young woman who is brutally raped in front of her parents' house Aww. in the middle of the night. She's going somewhere and she gets off the bus. And when she gets off the bus near her home, she walks home and right in front of her house, somebody grabs her and like pulls her into the bushes and fucking rapes her. Jesus Christ. Um, And whoever it is, like to do something like that in front of the home that they're going to, they have like a blatant disregard for like, their surroundings. You're just going to do what you don't care. In a fucking neighborhood. So mm. let's look at the timeline. This all starts in May 1987. It's kind of like the first woman is May 4th, May 14th, so 10 days later, there's a rape of a 19-year-old woman in the backyard of her parents' home. You would think you'd be safe in your own parents' home. Well, I read articles and, like, comments from people who said, I grew up during this time, and this is the reason that I do not go to bed until my daughter opens the front door, because of this case right here. I do not go to sleep until my daughter walks in the front door. Oh. And so, in July of 1987, that same year, there's another attempted rape on a young woman. He beat the victim, but he abandoned the attack when she fought back. In September, so a few months later, there's an attempted rape of a 15-year-old girl. At this point, the perpetrator broke into the house and entered the victim's bedroom. He jumped on her back, put a hand over her mouth, and threatened her with a knife, bruised the side of her face, and bit her ear. He fled when the victim's mother entered the room and screamed. So, we all know this case is about Carla Homolka and Paul Bernardo. So, we're in the middle of the Scarborough Rapist. And sometime in this same period, right in the middle of 1987, Carla and Paul meet, and they begin dating. At this point, our rapist that we're talking about is Paul Bernardo. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler. Stop. No way. (laughs) So at this point in his relationship with Carla, he's a well-seasoned rapist. Shortly after their relationship begins... Paul becomes infatuated with Carla's little sister, Tammy. And I'm not making this shit up, Jenna. This pisses Carla off, but she has an unwavering desire to please her boyfriend any chance she gets, so she lets it go. He Mm. makes these comments about her, and he makes these, like, advances on her, and she ignores it because she loves him. So from 1987 to 1988, there's all of these rapes. And it's kind of speculated whether Carla knows about it, but there are comments that she makes that he confesses that he is the Scarborough rapist, and he tells her that, she says. So we don't really know. But they meet in the in 87. Who knows if, like, what really happened? Like, exactly. Who knows, who knows what? Exactly. So let's fast forward. The rapes start in 87. They meet in 87. And now we're in May of 1990. There's a rape of a 19-year-old woman. However, this time, she, A, gets away from him, Mm -hmm. and she has a very vivid recollection of what happened to her. 
she creates a composite sketch with oh. the agents that interview her. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, there is a computer composite portrait that's created based mm -hmm. off of her account. And it's released to the media. And so 16,000 tips come in. Many of them are about Paul Bernardo. So in July, this is when the tips are starting to be sifted through a couple months later in the mm -hmm. 90s. And they start realizing that a few of them are about Paul. And they bring him in twice to be interviewed. And he makes all these excuses about how it's not him. But I find it interesting that even during all this, like, this, like, rapist rampage, he's still kind of on the radar, but they just can't quite pin him down. Yeah. Because you have to think this is the late 80s, early 90s, and DNA isn't what really... What do they have to mm -hmm. connect him? So they have DNA back then, and they can test it, but it's, like, in all of Canada. I'm making this up, but I read <laughs> this somewhere. I don't know if it's all of Canada, but it's, like, a huge portion of Toronto. There's one, one DNA analyst. Oh. And so it's kind of like, uh, they're fucking busy. Right. You know? So let's fast forward. This whole time that all this has been going on, aside of the first few rapes, Carla and Paul are dating. No. And some people say that she knew. Some people say she didn't. She had to have known. I so let's. Have had to. I think you would, too. So fast forward to December 24th, 1990. This is less than two weeks before her little sister's 16th birthday, six months before their soon-to-be wedding. Oh. Paul and Carla are engaged at this time. Carla Homolka decides that she has an engagement present for her soon-to-be husband. Carla, at this time, she's a veterinary tech. She really likes animals. And this is kind of something that's talked about in her childhood, but I don't fucking care about her childhood. Because <laughs> fuck her. There you um, go. She stole some sedatives from her job. Hmm. And cool. she drugs her sister Aww. and brings her sister downstairs for Paul. That's yucky. As a gift. Because Paul tells Carla, Paul tells Carla that it's not fair that you lost your virginity before you met me. And I really like your sister. So she's a virgin. Okay. And Carla says, okay. That's just yucky. Yeah. So she drugs her sister with drugs that she stole mm. from her job as a veterinary technician. That's, can you imagine having, like, and, a sister that would do something like that to you? And the thing that's crazy to me is it's like, this is December 24th. It's Aww. the day before Christmas. So she drugs her sister and brings her sister downstairs for Paul and says, Merry fucking Christmas, basically. So the two of them, and this is what gets me, the two of them rape, mm. sodomize, mm. and perform other heinous acts no. on her sister, all while recording themselves on film. Carla participates actively in raping her own sister. Gross. She even goes as far, I don't know if this is during this video or in a later video, but she prints out a picture of her sister and puts it on her face and lets Paul what? have sex with her. There's various points that in this case. That is disgusting. Yeah. She puts her sister's clothes on and pretends to be her. Mm. How old is this sister? 
she was um, two weeks shy of her 16th birthday. Oh. A 15-year-old girl. So, um, all the while they're recording themselves, Carla participates in raping her own sister. Sometime during the rape, Tammy begins throwing up and suffocating, probably because of the sedative she was yeah. giving, because they're for fucking animals. Was it like a horse tranquilizer? Something like that. I think it really was a horse tranquilizer. And the two of them, Carla and Paul, begin to fucking panic because I don't think they, they were gonna kill necessarily her. anticipated killing her, but here we are. That's what happens when you fucking give someone horse tranquilizers. And so they call for an ambulance. So How the, do they explain that then? Oh, the ambulance picks her up and they say, it's Christmas, we were all drinking and I don't know what happened. Oh, okay. And they take a toxicology report like and they horse obviously tranquilizers would. don't show up on the toxicology. What? Yeah. And so they did it wrong. The, Go back. The examiner says that this is an accident and they believe, and the whole family believes them because the video doesn't come forward. It's not ever found. Jesus. So Tammy's death is ruled an accident and it's ruled as over drinking and that she vomited in her sleep and she choked on it and she died. And that's how Carla Homoka and Paul Bernardo killed Carla's sister. Mm-hmm. And I he, don't like that. No. No, I don't like, like that it at all. And you would think that it ends there, but it doesn't. Oh, good. So this is in December 24th of 1990 that Tammy dies. June 7th, 1991. Homolka befriends a 15-year-old girl and invites her to a girl's night at her house. And what a lot of reports say is the death of Tammy may have been an accident in the sense of I don't think they meant to kill her that night. I don't think they did because they could have strangled her. They could have right. stabbed her. It kind of seems like maybe it got out of hand. But the fact that she died got Carla and Paul Bernardo off. Ew. And it kind of seems like ever since then, all the while, Paul Bernardo is going out and raping women. For me, okay, for me, as if I've ever been in this situation before. Yeah. But I feel like even if I was trying to do some weird ass, like kinky stuff. Mm-hmm. If it resulted in death, that would put me off from it for all ever. Yeah, you would think that would be like, <laughs> oh shit, maybe I'm a we should stop. Lunatic. Yeah, yeah, that's not what happens. So, June seventh, nineteen ninety one, Homolka befriends this girl, brings her to a girl's night at her house. Reports indicate that Homolka and Paul—that's Carla and Paul—they basically Homolka befriends her as another present. For her boyfriend. So she brings this young girl home and she acts like she's um, good friends with her. And what's really fucking disgusting, and I wasn't going to add it to the podcast, is right before I left work, I listened to this YouTube video of live. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, everybody. Just slam on my iPad. I listened to this YouTube video of Carla talking about this incident. I don't know if it was this one or if it was another. But basically, she's got this fucking interview where she says, it's just really hard when you're in this situation because I kind of felt like this girl was my friend. And, like, we, like, put makeup on each other and stuff. And I felt like we were getting really close. And you don't understand how hard that is for me. To then kill her? Yeah. So just don't. So so the thing is, is this girl... Luckily, this girl 
doesn't end up dead. Mm. But it's the fucking fact that this bitch has the audacity to sit in this interview and be like, it was really Play hard victim. for me that we raped her because uh, we put makeup on each other. What is she trying to get at? That it wasn't her idea? That it was... Mm-hmm. Even though Homolka befriended her and brought her home to Paul. So what ends up transpiring that night is once again, Homolka steals sedatives from her veterinary tech position. And Paul and Carla take turns raping a 15-year-old girl Jeez. once again while they film it. The next morning, luckily, and I, like, I hate to say luckily because, like, this is fucking disgusting, mm-hmm. but this girl wakes up the next day and has no recollection of what happened. Good. She's, like... I mean, good for her, but also not good for the case. Yeah. It's disgusting because she wakes up and she has, she ends up being, like, a, a witness and she says, I was really fucking sore and mm. I didn't know why, but she was. And to her, she thought that she had drank too much during her fun girls' night with Carla. When she meets Paul, who spent the entire night raping her, she thought this was the first time she had ever met him. Mm-hmm. That's kind of make you just, like, feel, like, itchy once you find out what actually, like, yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. Like, just feel it's violated. Almost, it's just disgusting. Absolutely. It's, it's so awful. And so this is June 7th, 1991. Seven days later, the same year, seven days, same week, <laughs> Leslie Mahaffey is sitting outside her house. And some, from what I've been able to research, she's kind of like, um, like a, she's one of those young kids. It's like a badass. Like she doesn't care. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. So it sounds like she, like um, what I thought I was, but I really wasn't. Exactly. Yeah. Just like us. She thought that she could do whatever she wanted. So she was once again coming home late at night. And some people say that this is really mean. And I kind of read it if I was, if I was my child. And so she had a curfew and she was once again missing it. And her parents locked her. Oof. They were like, damn. Should have been in on time. Uh Uh-huh. And so you think about this now in 2020 and you're like, nobody would fucking yeah i would never do that to my kid parents wouldn't do that yeah but imagine us as children like right my fucking mom i (laughs) can see my mom being like bitch i said 10 (laughs) o'clock so basically she's sitting on her front porch and what she doesn't realize is that paul bernardo was on the prowl for young girls just like her again he pulls up gets out of his car and lures her over by offering a cigarette he kidnaps her and within steps from her home. Oh, cool. And brings her back to Carla, blindfolded. The two of them create yet another film, only this time their fantasies are getting more and more violent. And I feel like we see this in all sorts of crimes. It escalates. It escalates. And it's time... I said escalates, like the car. <laughs> it <Anyways>. escalates. <laughs> it's kind of like the, um, the Golden State Killer. It started out with robberies, escalated to rapes, escalated to violent rapes, and escalated to murder. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what we're seeing here. So, this part made me, like, literally want to throw up. Mm. And I, like, contemplated leaving it out, but I have to say it. So, once again, they make a video of themselves raping her. This time it's getting more violent. On the recording, Paul can be heard mocking Leslie, telling her that she's doing what a telling her that she's doing such a great job. Ew. And 
In one of the most chilling audio recordings I've ever personally heard, he tells her, the next two hours are going to determine what I do to you. Yeah. Mm, I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all either. So I don't want to hear it. Do you, do you have it? Did you listen to it? No, no, no. Like, this was something that was played in the trial, and the oh. actual videos were so violent and disgusting that the judge ruled them inadmissible, and he only allowed the audio. So that's kind of where some I, where I think some of this is coming from. So in the recording, Leslie later can be heard saying that my blindfold is slipping off. Some people think this may be something that triggered Hamalka and Paul because later that night they would murder her. Of course they would. Ka, uh, Carla and Paul both point the finger to each other. Carla saying Paul strangled her while Paul says Carla gave her the fatal overdose of halosine, which is the drug that she had given her mm. sister. Regardless, um, Leslie ends up being murdered, and the two of them together would dismember her body, and they would decide that they don't know how to get rid of it, so they're going to buy um, big bags of concrete, and they're going to uh, cut her body up with a chainsaw, Oh my God. and they're going to encase pieces of her body in concrete, and they're going to try to throw them into a lake. But uh, concrete's really fucking heavy. <laughs> so basically, they put her body into concrete, and they bring it to the fucking leg, and they put, like, the small pieces in. But yeah. they can't get any further than, like, the fucking shore. Right. And so then they get to the part, and, like, I'm sorry to, like, almost make this a joke, because it's not. But it's just unimaginable that they could be so fucking stupid, stupid that they get to the part where they encased her torso. And it's 200 plus pounds. Right. Because it's concrete. And they can't lift it into the lake, so they just leave <laughs> it on the shore. As if nobody would find it. All these pieces of fucking concrete. So, what idiots. Yeah. So, this happens in June of 91. Literally, that happens June 14th. June 29th. Are you ready for the best part? There's a best part? Honestly, no, because it gets worse one more time. Mm. But this is, like, the second worst part. That happened on June 14th. June 29th, Paul and Carla get married. Gross. In a ridiculously extravagant and over-the-top event, their friends and family gather to cheer and congratulate them and sip champagne, and they all have a great time. And on the same day, Leslie Mahaffey's mutilated body would be found encased in concrete on the shore of the lake that they tried oh, to I bet that put a damper on their day. Well, it didn't, because they still didn't know it was them. Oh, true. So, about a year later, they just can't, they can't call it quits, and they kidnap yet another girl, and what's really fucking sad about this one is, basically, the two of them are driving around near, like, a Catholic school, and I want to say it's where one of them went to school, but I might just be making that up. But they're basically just canvassing the area. And now they're newlyweds. And they just feel so good about their relationship. And Carla has all these notes. Um, and I didn't, like, write any of them down in specific because I was going to leave it out. But I just can't. She's got all these notes about how she'll do anything for him. And if Paul wants a drink, then you're going to get up and get it for him. Like, writing Can you to imagine doing that kind of stuff for a man? She writes it to herself. <laughs> If Paul asks for a drink, you're going to do it because it looks good. If Paul says something, you're going to laugh because it looks good. And you're going to be better. 
you're gonna do better. These are like literally notes that she like the kind of notes you put on a mirror to remind oh, yourself like, every day. Self reminders like these are things that she wrote he herself. He was kind. He was beautiful. Literally. No, that wasn't funny. Okay. No, it's literally like Gross. the kind of stuff that she did, and so they end up kidnapping this young girl, and they're canvassing the neighborhood looking for a victim, and they find a girl walking by herself, and. They have this plan where Carla has a map in her hands and she's going to like pull over and ask for directions. So they find this girl walking alone in a parking lot and they pull off and they say like, oh, I don't know where we are. Can you help us? Like, can you look at this map and tell us where we Mm -hmm. are? And this nice girl is like, oh, of course, I'd love to help you. And while the two girls are looking at the map, Paul gets out of the driver's seat with a knife and puts it up to her throat and says, get in the fucking car. Oof. So they get in the car and Carla grabs her by the hair in the back seat and pulls her head down so she can't sit up. And they drive her back. What's different about this one is with Leslie, there's this comment in the video where she's like, My blindfold is slipping. And some people think maybe this is why they killed her, because they were gonna she was gonna see who, like who her they perpetrators are. were. Yeah. Uh the girl who they kidnapped, Kristen French. She was never blindfolded, not from the so beginning. So they had and they had no intentions of keeping it. Yeah. Mm. So once again, Paul and Carla videotape themselves torturing, raping, and sodomizing her. This is the most violent incident that they've reported yet. Parts of the video will show Carla forcing alcohol down Kristen's throat, taking turns raping her and dehumanizing her. They basically like yell things at her and tell her that she's worthless, like. And the worst part is they continue these acts of torture over the course of three fucking days. Three days? They keep her in, like, a room or in the basement or whatever for three fucking days. Were they just, like, going to work in the day and coming home to their person? Uh, I know that in the 90s, this is 91, or 92, where they kidnap her and uh, Paul had lost his job Mm. in, like, the late 90s. So, I don't even know. Likely they were just home. Yeah. I think they were just home. Um, so they keep her for three days, they torture her, they rape her, and before they finally kill her, they shave her head. I think it's just, like, a final, like, just dehumanizing thing mm-hmm. that they do. And police end up finding her body in a fucking ditch. That's just too much. Too much. Yeah. You ready for the best? That's how we keep hearing all no, the best. <laughs> it's just worse. The day that they dump her body in a fucking ditch, Paul and Carla meet her parents for Easter fucking dinner. They just don't care. No, they don't. They have, like, no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Remorse. No remorse. And they, I feel like they have no just, like, what is re, like, what is real Concept of reality. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think we've all kind of, this is a really basic timeline of what happened during this case i've left out literally um tens of 20s of rapes that were committed but the best part paul and bernardo or paul bernardo and carla homolka are eventually caught for their crimes as the investigation begins carla immediately lawyers up in search of a plea deal the negotiations that follow will later be known as the deal with the devil. Why? Yeah, why? 
Because during the investigation, the beginning parts, police could not get their hands on the videos. Where were they? Did we find them ever? We did find them, unfortunately. So basically what happened is Carla lawyered up as soon as she got wind of uh, Bernardo being investigated. She was like, fuck that. Like, I'm going to search a plea deal because fuck him. Uh, So basically what happens is the police department... When you search somebody's premises, you need a search warrant. Yeah. And a search warrant is not always just take whatever you want. Yes, you're looking for this and you're looking for that. Yes. So the initial search warrant they got was very specific. Mm -hmm. It was not tear the walls down looking for videos hidden Mm -hmm. in the fucking drywall. It was like. They had three days to search, like, containers and desks and dressers and shit, right? Stuff that was easily accessible. Mm-hmm. And they didn't find them. They didn't find the videos. They didn't even know necessarily that videos existed, as far as yeah, I know. Yeah, they just didn't see anything. So, all the while, Carla is negotiating her plea deal that says, I know everything that happened, and if you give me a deal, I'll fucking tell you. Jeez. So the prosecutors in Canada... What happened to do whatever Paul wants? Exactly. (laughs) She's like, no, fuck Paul. She makes literally, like, I'm not fucking joking. This is the deal with the devil. She's the fucking devil. Yeah. So she makes a deal. She ends up being sentenced to 12 years in prison. Five years for Leslie. Five years for Kristen. Two for Tammy. She goes on spending 17 days in court testifying against Paul. And basically after she's sentenced, uh, the videos end up being given to police. Where did they come from? Uh, They found them in a light fixture. Basically in a Uh... fucking light, he had hidden the tapes. And when they found them... Uh, Carla, to her defense attorneys and to the jury, had made it sound like she was a beaten and battered wife. Oh, yeah. And she she was scared. If she didn't do what he said, then she would... She would die. Yeah. So, then they pull the videos, and they get to watch Carla orally raping people, sodomizing people with objects, with... She... They get to watch her laughing at people... Calling these victims' names, putting, you know what I mean? Just Just being the devil. Mm -hmm. And it becomes very apparent that Carla played a much bigger role. 50-50. Yeah, arguably 50-50. And she gets sentenced to 12 years in prison. In 2005, Carla Homolka was released from prison. July 4th, 2005. And... She goes on to marry her defense attorney's brother. <laughs> yeah. I'm, this doesn't make any sense. Why is she like this? Can she just not for once? So she's free to this day. She lives in a suburb. Oh my god, I read this, but I want to say it's outside of Toronto, but the, maybe that would be too close. So maybe it's a different... Um, province of canada but Mm -hmm. she lives in a suburb in canada and she has three fucking children and she volunteers in her free time at a school fuck her fuck her right off yeah 
So Paul Bernardo, given her 17 days of testifying against him, was sentenced to life, well, I think multiple life sentences, but in Canada, their real goal is kind of like rehabilitation. Yeah, it's not I heard that a lot. Actually. It's not really like um, lock him in, lock him in forever. So basically, he was sentenced to a minimum of twenty five years without parole. So like you're in twenty five. Mm-hmm. He was eligible eligible <laughs> for parole. I don't know what year it was, but it was actually like within the last five years. And when he went to his parole hearing, he basically was like. I was really sad about myself and who I am as a person. Aren't we all? Yeah, welcome to, like, <laughs> my life, Monday through Friday. Like, <laughs> and I was really just looking for, like, um, comfort, and I fucked up. That's and I not bad. comforting. So the parole board of Canada or whatever, they deliberated for 30 minutes and said, fuck no. <laughs> Good. So he'll be out. I think you get to, like, have a hearing pretty like regularly like i don't Mm. it's not just done so like he's still eligible and one day he could in theory be released but in the united states and i think it's similar in canada from what i've read in order to be eligible for parole a portion of what like sways the parole board because this isn't a jury anymore this is Mm -hmm. not your peers these are your peers said you belong in prison but professionals get to decide the, what the fuck's yeah. going on, right? So Fine details. Part of your um, parole is kind of like admitting to what you did mm-hmm. and saying you're fucking sorry for it. And he basically like deflects it. Like, I did it because I was sad. Oh, because I'm just a little depressed in my family life. And... Yeah, and it's like, no, you did it because you're a fucking monster. Mickey. If you were to go in there and be like, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me, but I did a disgusting thing and I can never take it back, but it's been done and I will spend the rest of my life being sorry for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, and I truly am. Like, I don't know, like, I did it and I can't explain it. it, The words I say here aren't going to do it justice. I feel like you would take this group of people and they'd be like, damn, like, he actually feels something. Like, what are we going to do? Like, he can't say. Yeah, bring him back. Yeah. But to go into your parole hearing and being like, I feel bad about myself. I don't know. I feel bad for everyone else that has to meet you too. Yeah. So and you should feel bad about yourself. The thing that gets me about like the whole fucking case is Carla got off basically scot free. She did some time, but not nearly what she deserved there's a fucking picture of her i didn't post it but i'm gonna post so wait, it right now are they now. just called ken and barbie because they're hot or like yeah they were pretty like i posted pictures of them let me post this photo there's a photo of her in prison that gives you a really good picture of just what she was doing in prison oh yeah she does not give a hoot Let's post it. Um, <laughs> give me five seconds to our page between the crimes. I'm posting it right now. This is a picture of Carla Hamalka in prison. You oh. can tell she's just glad that she didn't get it worse. <laughs> That's what I interpret from that. It's kind of like this is photo of like, wow, prison's so hard for you. Yeah, so that's the story of the Ken and Barbie killers. Um, Homolka is walking free to this day. 
She has children. Paul Bernardo hopefully spends the rest of his life in a Canadian prison, but it's not guaranteed. How come, well, I want to know, is like after having like the videos come out and seeing how big of a part she played, how can they not go back for like a retrial or something like reopen her? I think it's kind of this concept of like she took a plea deal. And I think a plea deal is like like a type of contract. I'm literally making this up. I don't know. I don't know enough about. But I feel like I really don't. I feel like if there was a way around it, that she would be in prison again. And there are people to this day. So they changed their names. And this is something I'm <laughs> No, they changed their names during the trial. Though it wasn't during the trial. They started the process during all the fucking rapes, but. It ended up going through right before the trial, and they changed their names to, like, Teal, T-I-E-L-E or something. Like, their last name? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so, technically, her name now is Leanne, which is her middle name, I think. So, her name was Carla Leanne Homolka. Mm-hmm. Now, her name is Leanne Teal. And the funny thing is, um, her and Bernardo changed their last name to Teal together. And Teal is, like, a... It's, like, a knockoff name from a movie that he used to like oh. where uh Siri I might be making this up but I read a port a part of this and it was a knockoff name from a movie he liked which was about a serial killer and his last name was like Thiel. The serial so he was killer's just trying name. to like live mm-hmm. out his mm-hmm. favorite movie. Yep. He also liked uh like American Psycho or whatever, which is another movie about a guy who's, like, too smart and commits murders and is just too smart. So he thought he was one of them. It kind of seems like he did. I don't... I just don't get it. Like... And to go along with it as Carla, it's one thing for him to be a sick fuck. Okay, but she didn't just go along with it. No, 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 no. God, no. She actively participated. How do you meet, like... Maybe I have, but... To my knowledge, I've never met somebody so dark and twisted and nasty. Like, how did two people equally as disgusting meet and then, like, how? Like, this is what always blows my mind on cases where people, like, commit crimes like this together. Whether it's, like, a couple, friends, or, like, a group of people. Like, how do you just convince other people? Like, how does that come up in conversation that we should kill someone? It's kind of like that case we talked about in London. The hi-fi yeah, murders. Yeah, like, it's just, like, no matter, like, any group or multiple party murders, I'm like, how does this come up? You can get by with, like, one person where you're like, okay, I can maybe see. They, they just had this inkling to do this, and they had to get it over with. But how do, like, if I ever came up to you and was like, hey, you want to, you want to, you know, go find someone? And it's yeah. Like, you know, like. How do just... you get somebody to say, yes, I agree with that? Yeah. And yeah, like Colt makes a comment in our in our comments about it's like Charles Manson and other cults, people can be so persuasive. And that's the thing is like what we didn't get to talk about um is Carla's defense attorney uses the argument that she was being abused. And there is one or two incidents, one of which Carla's put in the hospital oh. because Paul beats her with like a flashlight, and that sounds like negligible. But this is like the early 90s, and this is like a 
double D No, I dropped one of them on my face before. I like hurt. the metal ones? Yeah, they hurt. So he beat her with them. And I didn't post it on Facebook because I felt like I was going to get reported, literally. <laughs> but if you Google Carla Homolka. Uh, How do you spell that? It's H-O-M-O-L-K-A abused. And you look. Oh, it's, it's not. That's not that simple. one's not her, but this is this simple. one. The first it. photo that comes up if you Google Carla Homolka abused. This is the day when she went to the hospital. Oh. And because Paul beat her. And so because she went to the hospital for this case of being beaten, and apparently it wasn't like an abnormal thing, um, it was kind of like substantiated like, like he, see, he, he was abusive he was abusive and i only did it because he was beating me but it's like how do you lure she worked at like a i don't know like and i feel like honestly i can never actually say because i've never like i'm not gonna like be in the same situation that she was in but i feel like even if i was with somebody that like beat me like Sure, do what you want to me, but, like, I'm not going to do stuff to other people. And my sister. Yeah, like, your family. Like, I feel like at that point you would take whatever punishment for not doing it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't I know. can't speak I can't to it. That, we can't speak to it. We don't know. You never know how people are going to react. But, but multiple fucking people. At some point, you have to take responsibility to, I'm, like... I don't know. I thought about it before, like, before deciding on, like, what we were going to do this on... And I'm just like, I don't know what it's like to be in that situation personally. Like, maybe similar, but not to that extent. I've never been fucking beaten in my life. Right. But I personally feel like I draw the line at anyone that I care about. And so, in that same argument, maybe Carla doesn't fucking care about anybody. Maybe she cares about nobody but her fucking self. Yeah. But for me personally, it's just like, I can't imagine being like, yeah fucking record this video and i'm gonna i'm gonna do shit in it yeah because i'm scared like no do that shit to me not to somebody that i care about you know right and i don't i just think the whole thing is just like it's it's just icky it's so icky well we have two like oh your story is just like unsettled yeah and it's just like man you just never know what do you think happened in mine like, as far as a theory. Honestly. Do you think Jose Mine is, it? like, so unpopular. What is My it? real theory. I don't know. I don't know why, but I think about all of it, and I think that maybe, what if it was an accident? I don't think it was. I know, I know, I know. I don't know. I guess we'll never know. I And I don't want to say, honestly, like, because I flip back and forth. Like, sometimes I hear it, and I'm like, Jose did it. I have, to think, other yeah, times, I have like, to think on it. I've got to think. Yeah, like other times, I think it's John or with yours. I'm glad we know who it was and they're not doing it anymore. But it's just disgusting that it went on for as long as it did. It's just, there's no fucking winning, you know? There's no winning. Well, well, thank everybody <laughs> for joining us. We appreciate you all. Follow our Facebook page, Between the Crimes. And you can email us your suggestions, and we love you all. So, peace out. It's been fun. Friends, family. Join us next week. Bye. Bye.